Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. So we find ourselves uh, today in Acts 22. Um, and I was talking last week uh, from Acts 21, and we, we found ourselves in a situation where Paul was being warned about his upcoming trip to Jerusalem. He was feeling compelled by the Spirit to go there, but he had multiple warnings that maybe going there would lead him to um, captivity, perhaps even beatings, perhaps even death, and that he needed to be careful about that. But he didn't let those warnings dissuade him from being obedient to the Spirit just to prepare him. And the way that he prepared himself was through the warmth of fellowship. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that uh, last week, please go online uh, and take a listen. And and don't ever take for granted uh, the fact that there is so much incredible good stuff available just on the message channel, uh, YouTube channel. I mean, there's so much good stuff available on YouTube. We should always be discerning. There's plenty of stuff that's not good on there as well. And I'm not just talking about non-Christian stuff. There's plenty of stuff that pertains to be preaching the truth and claiming to be the truth of the Word of God. And it's far from it and will lead you way, way, way away from the truth. But uh, I don't think that's true of most of our message talks. So I think we're on safe ground for, for most of them. Um, occasionally we let Daniel uh, Eduardo speak, but other than that, we're in, we're in good shape. Uh, I'm just kidding, Daniel's awesome. So um, please do go check out those message talks because you know we are looking to build, aren't we, and grow in our firm foundation of, of Jesus and his, his unchanging truth. And it's that unchanging truth upon which Paul builds his life and his knowledge that God isn't going to fail him. Even if he goes into a difficult situation, God is not going to fail him. Even if he has physical death come upon him in this life, which by the way, every single one of us will at some point, it's not the ultimate death because God's taken care of that. Actually, it's just a shadow through which we walk to inherit the fullness of life in the kingdom of God. Uh, so do go and, and, and dwell in, in the scriptures, dwell in the, the great talks that have been done throughout the last few years in particular. Um, but today we turn our attention to 22 and we see that sure enough what got promised <clears throat> has actually happened. Paul has faced great challenge and persecution. He's gone about his business in Jerusalem. He's gone into the temple courts and it's kicked off with the local Jewish community and they're actually about to kill him at the end of Acts 21. They, they are so um, distressed by his presence among them and a little misunderstanding as, as well about taking Gentiles into the temple that they are ready to kill him and the only way that he's saved is by the Roman authorities stepping in and actually saying hold on a second you can't do this you don't have the authority to do this. We've already heard just a few chapters earlier about the stoning and the death of Stephen. If the Roman authorities had been around on that day, it wouldn't have happened because they would have probably almost certainly stepped in to stop it. So there was kind of a crazy situation going on in Jerusalem where there was a lot of angst. There was a lot of conflict between the the Jews and the Jewish authorities and the Romans. The Romans ultimately were in charge, but the Jews obviously rightly believed that this was their land and that they could exercise the will and the law of God when it needed to be exercised. And when those two things came into conflict with each other, all sorts of difficult uh, and awkward situations could arise. And here, we had a situation where they wanted to kill Paul, stone him to death because of blasphemy. But the Romans step in and they say, no, 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 you you can't do this. And they pull Paul away. And Paul says to them, hold on a second. I don't want to be stoned to death. But what I do want is I don't want to be pulled away from these people. I want an opportunity to actually address the crowd. And at Acts 20. 
2, we find Paul addressing the crowd that want him dead. That's a pretty precious situation, to be giving a defense in front of people that want you dead. Hopefully that's not what's going on to me today. Some of you look slightly stern, but hopefully nobody wants me dead. Um, Acts 22, let's read that. Verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak in Aramaic, they became very quiet. Then Paul said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. And of course, Paul was there when the aforementioned Stephen was stoned to death. He held the coats of those who stoned Stephen. As the high priest and all the council can themselves testify, I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul is giving his credentials. He's saying, hey, all of you that want to stone me today, let me tell you, I was as zealous, if not more zealous, righteous, ready for action on behalf of the Lord to uphold the law of God, maintain its integrity, maintain its integrity. I was chief among all of you. Even the leaders of the Sanhedrin, even the Jewish leaders can attest to this because they entrusted me with important duties. This is who I was. About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. I was as zealous as you to uphold the integrity of the law, the identity of God himself. But something happened to change it. The reason why you want to stone me to death today is because of Jesus. And this changes everything in Paul's life. And it brings him into conflict with those that he used to be in relationship with. They think that he has compromised his integrity because he now believes in a false Messiah that they got rid of a few months before. Paul, you were zealous like us, but you compromised your integrity and now you are deserving of death. You ever been in a situation where somebody's questioned your integrity? I've had it many times in my life and I'm sad to say that some of those times, unfortunately, people were right to question my integrity in those situations. One less serious example of this was um, one time when I was at school and I, I was big time into drama at school and did drama GCSE and part of that was we got to go and be involved in a mock trial at the local Crown uh, the, uh, the local Crown Justice area. What's it called? Not the, not the Crown Court. The what? The local one. What's the local court called? Civil Magistrates Court. That's the one I'm looking for. Thank you. The local Magistrates Court, they invited us to go and do a mock trial at the Magistrates Court. And um, I was playing the part of the, the kind of key <coughs> witness for the defence. I know, right? Witness for the defence. So they put me on trial and the whole trial was about someone getting their car keyed, which as you know, because I've had my car keyed a couple of times, that, like, that shit, people should be put in prison for that, that like throw away the key uh, so they can't use it again, right? You understand? It's a terrible joke, but it was worth saying. I, I have no shame. Um, so, uh, so I just thought of that in the moment as well. It's quite good, wasn't it? Pete enjoyed it. So uh, throw away the key. 
But that's uh, what they wanted to do in this mock trial. And I was the, the key one that had been, oh, I keep saying key now. I'm, like, I'm locked into it. I was the key witness. <laughs> oh, there's another one. Wow, they're just throwing out there. Trust me, we're just scratching the surface. Oh, anyway, move on, move on. We, I'm going to use my entire time up. On <laughs> stone him. My integrity is definitely now in question. How did you use the 20 minutes that you had to preach the word of God, man? I did jokes about keying people's cars for 20 minutes. Um, so I'm there as the, as the main witness, and it got to the time, and they, and they began questioning me. And although it was like a drama exercise and we'd rehearsed, we genuinely didn't know what the other school's drama department were going to ask us as the prosecution team. And to be honest, I got halfway through them asking me all these questions, and I just was so over it. I was like, this is ridiculous. This is, they asked me the same questions. And so in the end, I just confessed on his behalf, <laughs> just to bring the trial to a close. I was like... Yeah, you know what? He did it. He, he did it. And, uh, and I think, yeah, I think you should, I think you should lock him up and, and all of this. And everyone was like, oh, we, we didn't expect it to play out like this. And I was like, I'm over this. This is really stupid. And, and, and I came away at the end and I was like, man, I totally lost my integrity in that situation. They were questioning my integrity. Are you a reliable witness? Are you, are you, uh, you know, uh, have, you, have you got a good enough credentials? Are you trustworthy and so on and so forth? Uh, but I ended up implicating my friend and bringing his integrity into uh, not just question, but actually showing that his integrity was lost on that particular day. But it can feel in our lives that we're all on trial in some way, shape or form. The world is often questioning the integrity of the church and us as the individuals within it. Satan is constantly pecking at our integrity, saying, really? Satan's always pecking at God's integrity. That goes right back to Eden, right? Did God really say? Did God really say? Did he really mean that? Will you really die? Questioning the integrity of God, the authority of what God's word actually uh, means. People will tell you that integrity matters. I mean, look at what's going on at the moment. We've got the I don't pay attention to these things, but you can't avoid it. Uh, being in the newspapers and on the news all the time, we've got the, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. He said, she said, clearly quite a serious allegation, but a lot of he said, she said stuff. And it's kind of heartbreaking that you just see it plastered everywhere and these people are bringing their private lives into the public view and it must be horrendous for, for both of them. The rights and wrongs of who's done what, I have no opinion on. But it must be a difficult situation for both of them. And both of their integrity is being brought into question. Forensic examiner examination. Did you lie there? Did you do this? Did you do that? With the most serious accusations being banded around. Just yesterday, the Sue Gray report came out. It's a question of integrity, isn't it? And that's what everybody's talking about. What should the response be now? Should they resign? Should there be a public vote of no confidence, a ministerial vote of no confidence, and so on and so on? Integrity. They said that we should do this, but they were doing that and this, that, and the other. And again, I'm not here today to get into the ins and outs of the political stuff. It's just to highlight the fact that all around us, are questions of integrity. And when we sense that there's a, an injustice that's related to a lack of integrity, it riles within us. And I think it riles within us for a couple of reasons. One, because we're made in the image of God, who is perfect integrity. And we sense that something is off, something is not right. It's not the way that things should be. But I think it also riles us because as we see integrity come into question, we recognise that we ourselves, even though we might be doing okay today, have been culpable of lacking integrity and quite possibly in the future will again be lacking in integrity. And it hits a little bit too close to home for our liking. My dad told me when I left home, he said, Ben, as you go about this life and as I was going to work for you for Christ, as you go into you for Christ, best bit of advice that I can give you is this, is to keep your integrity. Keep your integrity. And I remember thinking at the time, wow, dad, you're a very learned man of God, a very spiritual man, a good dude. 
when it comes to things of faith. And you're not giving me the advice of, Ben, stay close to Jesus. You're giving me the advice of, keep your integrity. That feels a bit worldly to me. That doesn't feel spiritual enough. Oh, how I misunderstood. Oh, how I wish I'd knew what he was talking about more clearly then. We'll get back to that before we finish today. But man, if I had really understood what he meant, maybe I could have avoided some of the stupid situations that I got myself into. What actually is integrity? What are we talking about? Well, some will integrity down to its most simple application. You need to be the same in private as you are in public. You ever heard that one? Integrity is about being the same in private as you are in public. Let me tell you, that's to do with integrity, but that's not enough. That's not what integrity is totally. A monster in private can be a monster in public, and a monster in public can be a monster in private. Do they have integrity? No. They, what they have is consistency. Don't, don't mistake integrity for consistency. It's bigger than that. Others would quote Shakespeare, to thine own self be true. You've got to be true to ourselves. We always hear that now. You've got to be true to yourself. Find your identity. You, your identity can be whatever you want it to be. You can invent one for yourself. You can invent one that goes against everything that we've ever understood to be true in the history of the world so that to yourself, you can be true. But no, that's not integrity. That's just self-fulfillment. Does that actually help the world? No, it leaves people utterly broken and empty. Others would say it's about being morally upright. But upright to whose morality? Whose morality are we talking about? It's all subjective, isn't it? If we don't have an anchor point, you've got to be, you've got to be upright morally. But we all have different moral positions on so many things. So who gets to decide? Who gets to be the barometer of what integrity will be in light of an ever-changing, fluctuating morality? That's just social appeasement. It's not what we've been called for. Others say it's about fairness. Last weekend when the Premier League was coming to the end and I had an incredibly stressful 24 hours waiting to see if my beloved Leeds United, and some would say if you support Leeds you have no integrity, but it is what it is. My beloved Leeds United were uh, about to uh, get relegated from the Premier League and I'm reading all the reports of the teams before to find out what's going on. And it was really interesting to hear managers, the two managers of the opposing teams that were involved in playing those teams threatened by relegation. We were playing against Brentford and the Brentford manager came out and said, we will honour the integrity of the league, even though we personally have not much to play for in this game because it's the end of the season. We'll honour the integrity of the league by giving it our best effort. What did he mean by that? Fairness. We're going to make sure we play to our best so that the league remains fair, so that everyone has a fair shot at competing, right? So is integrity about fairness? No, fairness is involved in integrity, but fairness is just fairness. Others say it's about saying what you mean and meaning what you say. We had Paolo from the World Methodist Evangelism with us over the last few days. He did a great little morning devotion for our advanced team yesterday, funnily enough, uh, all about integrity. And one of the things that he said yesterday that really struck me was he was saying, you know, that we have to make sure we bring into alignment what we say, what we mean, and what we do. And often where things get out of alignment is where deceit comes in to what we say and mean and do. But often the deceit that comes is not intentional. It's unintentional. Like we mean well, we mean to do the things that we say we're going to do, but life gets in the way and we unintentionally deceive people. A lot of our deception is unintentional and therefore we kind of excuse it away as not being deception. Oh, I didn't mean to deceive, I just got busy. You still deceived because you didn't do what you said you would do, which is a form of deception. So is it about 
letting your yes be yes. No, this is just honesty. These individual elements are all in some way, shape or form good. I think to the, the thine own self be true one is a little bit problematic. We'll come back to that in a moment and see how we can actually redeem that one for something much better than the world says, which is be true to yourself at all costs and actually discover that being true to yourself means being true to the one who made you yourself. If you want to be true to yourself, be true to him. That's how it works. But actually integrity, while it involves all of these things to some degree, Certainly morality and fairness, I think, and justice and righteousness and honesty are clearly part of integrity. It's bigger than all of those things. In fact, the Bible is clear about what integrity is in a biblical and therefore spiritual sense and therefore the most practical sense. Integrity means this, to be whole. That's what integrity means. It means to be whole. I was a bit of a Star Trek geek when I was a kid. I still am, to be honest. I love a bit of Star Trek. And uh, I remember, you know, you couldn't go too many episodes into a season of Star Trek without a battle happening. And at some point, some uh, commander on the, on the ship or an ensign on the ship kind of shouting across the bridge as the battle was happening, Captain, shield integrity down to 40%, hull integrity down to 20%. What did they mean by that? They meant that the wholeness of those shields, the wholeness of the hull's integrity was being threatened. And when that wholeness crumbled and got to 0%, what would happen? It would fail. And when the hull failed, everybody's getting sucked out into the cold death of space. The collapse of the integrity of the hull meant death. The collapse of the integrity of humanity means the same thing just as it did in the garden. Oh, will you really die if you go against God? Will, you re- will death really come? Yes, it will. And we're seeing it. We're seeing the fullness of the effects of the choice to run away from the perfect wholeness of God and choose something lesser. There is only one who is perfectly integrous. There is only one who has perfect integrity and it is God himself because he is the one who is truly whole. He is three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and yet he is undivided. That's the best way of explaining what the Trinity is. An undivided unity expressed in threefold nature as the theological language. What does that tell us? Even though that God is three, he is whole. What does God want the church to be? Undivided, or to put it another way, united. United in what? Him his truth, his goodness. Does it ever work out well for the church to be undivided? No, because we cease to be whole. We have no integrity. Does it ever work out well for us to be divided and separated out from God? No. Why? Because we cease to be whole. True integrity is about wholeness. Have you ever, or even recently, not ever, taken a few battle blows? What battle blows have come your way recently? External uh, pressures, internal wrestles, schemes of the enemy. What current percentage of your spiritual hull integrity remains today? As people shout across you, oof, down to 20%. You have any integrity in that situation? What about that yes that wasn't a yes? What about that bit of sin that came in? What about that act of hypocrisy? Paul's integrity was definitely in question 
in our passage today. According to the pious Jews of his day, Paul had been one of the good guys fighting the zealous fight. All right, his methods might have been a bit extreme even for the most zealous among them. Not all who were zealous for the Lord were going around stoning people. It was a pretty extreme behavior, but there was precedent for it. But whether he was extreme or not, he was seen as one of the good guys, defending, committed to the law. But now he's cavorting with Gentiles and claiming Jesus as the Messiah. This will not do. Paul is having to defend himself against the serious accusations of the crowd. And this is how he does it. And it's the same way that we defend against our own lack of integrity. And then as the accusations of integrity or lack thereof come our way, we can correct. If we have it, we can defend it. If we don't have it, we can get it back. First, he explains who he was before Christ. This is who I was. I'll be honest with you, I made mistakes. He thinks, they think rather, as he speaks to them, that he's giving a great testimony of how good he was. But what he's actually doing is showing them how much he needed Jesus. It's a little bit of a cheeky sideswipe because they're like, oh yeah, this is when you were a good guy, Paul. This is when you were like us. Why did you change from being like that? But he's about to do a switcheroo on them to show them, no, do you not realise that's when I didn't have integrity? I only have integrity because now I know the one who is whole and his name is Jesus. He then goes on to explain what happened when he met Christ and who he now is in Christ. It's this simple three-part structure for following and knowing Jesus and giving testimony to that, that changes everything in our lives as we try to be whole. Question, think about these three things. How would you answer these in your own life as questions? Who were you before Christ? Who were you? What did the integrity of your life look like? What happened when you met Jesus? What did it feel like to suddenly discover the one who is truly full of integrity, who is whole? Who are you now in Christ? You may not be perfect, but thank God that we follow the one who is and that by his grace, he is making us new day by day. But, and this is essential, the content of Paul's testimony here is not just the defense for his integrity. We can look at this and think, oh, great. Paul's got some good content here that journeys people through. Yep, I was messed up. I was lacking in integrity. I've met Jesus, the one who has perfect integrity. Now I walk in his strength. And although I don't always get it right, there is hope for me to be part of the solution where I was once part of the problem. To look more like life than death, more like peace than chaos because Jesus is whole and he is making me whole by his grace. And one day all things will be perfectly whole for those who are in him. It's a great defence. But it's more than a defence. It's the anchor for those things actually being true in our lives. When the world comes against you with accusations of hypocrisy, as it might well be well within its rights to do so, because we are hypocrites at times, you can say, yes, I have been part of the problem at times. By God's grace, I have hope to be whole in this life. One day I will struggle no more in the presence of his eternal life. When your flesh comes against you with accusations of desire, yes, I have desires that I wrestle with. By God's grace, I have hope to be whole in this life. One day I'll be desiring nothing more than him in the presence of his eternal life. When Satan comes against you with accusations of guilt, yes, I have been guilty. But by God's grace, I have hope to be whole in this life. One day I'll be guilty no more eternally in the presence of his eternal life. Our testimony is not used to show off our integrity, but his, his integrity. That by his wholeness, we can become whole. That by his holiness, we 
can become holy as he is holy. Don't make God or his gospels, his gospel reported in his gospels, less than whole. Don't start playing around with the gospel, adding to it, taking it, taking away from it like Paul warns us against doing it in Galatians and turning it into no gospel at all to destroy its integrity by thinking, well, we can make this better. No, you can't. Or we need to test, take some stuff away to make it more palatable. No, you don't. It is whole. And if you want people to receive its wholeness, you need to give the whole so that people can know his truth. We need to not be divided within ourselves. Jesus says a house divided in itself cannot stand. We need to not be divided within our own emotions and psychology and relationship with God. Yes, this world is complicated. Yes, people will struggle with depression and anxiety and all sorts of difficult things. Doesn't mean you're not a Christian. Doesn't mean you're not following Jesus. Doesn't mean you're full of sin. It means that this world is messy and fallen and complicated, but God desires to bring you to wholeness. Whether it's a psychological challenge or a problem of repeated sin that keeps coming in your life or whatever else it might be, God's saying you don't need to live in less than wholeness. Live in me. When the world says you can't have integrity, how can you be a Christian who says that you have joy but you struggle with depression? There's no integrity in that. And you're like, oh, you've misunderstood what integrity is. Integrity is not just consistency. Like, oh, I say that Jesus is, gives me joy, yet I struggle with uh, the, the, the chemical challenges of depression in this fallen biologic, biologically compromised world that we live in. Of course, I can't always be consistent in those things. There's challenges at wrestle and at play in those things, but God is consistent in his response to me in those things. And his response to me in those things is, I am good. I have freedom for you. I have hope. There might be a journey. It might be painful. It might be difficult, but I am good because I am whole. And one day I'm restoring you to perfect holiness. All I'm asking for you to do is stay the course. Keep going. Keep trusting. And when everything is pulling against you the world your flesh Satan himself you have a choice you can choose to trust in the wholeness and the integrity of me or you can run away looking for a better way and divide yourself to less than whole but it will never work because here's the truth about God We're told to be the same in private as we are in public. We struggle with that, but God doesn't. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, no matter what's going on. We're told that we should be true to ourselves. That can be a problem because ourselves aren't always good. To be true to a self that is not good is gonna not bring good things to the world. What's far better is to trust that God is true to himself. And in himself, his self, is where we find what is true. To his own self, we are to be true. Not to thine own self, to his own self, we are to be true. Others would say, we've got to be morally upright. Well, God is the one who sets the moral standard. We stand and walk by his standards, by his morality. Others would say, fairness. Well, God is perfectly fair. Justice, righteousness are his and he exercises them perfectly. What about saying what you mean and meaning what you say? Well, God says what he means and he means what he says and he keeps his promises because his integrity is perfect. He is whole. Paul is able to build a defense that actually ultimately is the beginning of a journey that will lead him 
to his martyrdom, to being killed. Oh, Ben, this doesn't sound like a very good strategy because it actually ultimately leads to Paul not winning, but losing. He dies. He gets killed. This isn't a good strategy. I never said that this was a strategy that would stop people throwing stones at you, you taking punches left, right and centre, or even having your life ended before it's time. I never said that. What I said is it will make you whole. And that's what we were created for. Not to live a temporary life here in this fallen world, but to live eternal life in the fullness and wholeness of relationship with the perfect kingdom of God. Who were we before Jesus? What happened when we met him? Who are we today? Wherever the question of your integrity is coming from, world, self, Satan, whether it's well-founded, because sometimes it is, let's be honest, it's true for me, sadly, or whether it's a filthy lie, The power to become whole and maintain wholeness, true integrity is to reflect on those things. Who were we before Jesus? What happened when we met him? Who are we today? Do we need to repent? Okay, let's do it. We probably do, pretty much every day, I would imagine. But then we can thank God that we are not what we were. He is at work making us whole for the whole of his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your integrity is perfect. We want to be a people of integrity. We want to be a people of fairness and justice and goodness and moral uprightness. We want to do what we say and mean what we say. Lord, we want to be described as a people of integrity, but only if people understand, as they say, the word integrity, that that means being made whole in you. If the world thinks that we don't have integrity because we don't share the same moral principles that they do and they call us bigots instead of integrous people. If we are told that we lack integrity because we don't share all the same pursuits and vision and worldview of other people out there who think that those things are the most important things, let it be so, Lord, that the questions and accusations of a lack of integrity come. But never, Lord, would it be true that a lack of integrity comes because we are not a people who are wholly committed to the wholeness of God. Let that be the place of our purpose in your presence for your glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. Okay, sorry, we ran over a little bit today, but hopefully that was helpful and encouraging. I wanna leave you with this final thought as we go into our day, a nice little image for you to take away. It's like spiritual Jenga. It's like we're playing a spiritual game of Jenga. And God says, here's your tower. How many of those bricks are you gonna take out? You might be able to get away with taking a few of them out and get it a bit wobbly and still think you're in good ground. But the truth is that God's saying, don't take a single one of those spiritual bricks out. Because even if you think you can maintain the integrity of the structure of your spiritual life by just removing a few things that you don't like that are not part of your process, they're part of mine. And I want the tower to be strong because I am. And I want my people to be strong so that the world knows my strength. So let's go. Amen. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 